Hello, folks. Dr. Maurice Selby here, medical director, producer, and co-host of Health in Harlem on WHCR 90.3 FM and the Health in Harlem podcast. While we strive to bring you the most up-to-date, reliable, evidence-based information to help you live the healthiest life possible, this show does not substitute for an evaluation by a trained and licensed medical professional. It is highly recommended that any advice or recommendations on medications, treatments, nutrition, fitness, preventive services, etc. be implemented under the guidance and supervision of your primary medical provider or appropriate specialist. With that said, we hope that you enjoy and learn from our program, and please be sure to let us know how we can best serve you in future shows. Welcome to the one and only Health in Harlem on WHCR 90.3 FM and the Health in Harlem podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Maurice Selby. My name is Reed. My name is Anastasia. And it's COVID season. It's still COVID season. We're just going to throw it out there. I know you're tired of it. We're tired of it. We're actually talking about this just before um, recording this segment. And so, yeah, man, COVID fatigue is out there. Um, you know, something we've been dealing with for the last, what, seven, eight months. And uh, it's going to be the status quo for some more months. And so we are, we're locked into this, ladies and gentlemen. And I'll just let you know, like, you know, uh, Christine, uh, my wife, Imani, my daughter, we were out last week and went out for some pizza. Antico's pizza is like, I don't know. I haven't been in, in Georgia too long, but it's like the best pizza I've had in Georgia so far. So, you know, we, there's a couple of these restaurants and um, we went to one that is a little bit closer to us because the one um, that with outdoor se- seating is a little bit farther. Right. So we would try to figure out how we were going to have this meal and enjoy it. We just had a craving for that pizza that day and um, figured we would just get it at this closer restaurant. Problem is they don't have outdoor seating. So we are like, all right, we're going to take it home. And we got there. It was like not too crowded and stuff. And we looked and we're like, wow, it's kind of empty. Maybe we could do this. Right. And um, we sat down indoors. And it was the weirdest thing. It felt good, but it was definitely, you know, it felt a little antsy. And of course, just as we go in, right, more people start coming in and like, hey, I'm going to sit down and eat too. And so you know, at one point, there's like one group, we go into this other room where it's less people. And um, they, it was, it was one other couple actually. And so they get up and like leave, which norm, you know, and I guess normal times I would have took offense to that. Like, yo, why are they leaving the room? Like we just walked in. And then at this time we were looked at each other like good, <laughs> Christine <laughs> and I. So they walked to the other room or whatever, but we sat down and ate, you know, a couple other groups, actually one group of like six people came in. So of course, Christine and I look at each other, you know, we're getting a little like, oh boy. And they're like talking and laughing, you know, not wear masks. Um, or a couple of them had masks, but they like put them on a the table, which is also not recommended. It's not good uh, COVID etiquette to just throw your mask on the table after you've been like breathing it all day and also not good COVID etiquette. This is just for everybody out there, right? Not good COVID etiquette to uh, just be like talking and, you know, like laughing loudly without your mask on while you're waiting for your meal. If you're eating, different story. Eating, drinking at that time, I understand. You got to take the mask down. Common sense. But yeah, it's not good COVID etiquette. 
ladies and gentlemen, to uh, just be like laughing boisterously in an indoor restaurant, you know. Um, anyway, it's COVID season, basically. But yeah, it was a weird meal, man. And the thing is, we are fatigued. We are fatigued because we sat down, you know, um, I think we did enjoy the meal, but um, this is something that, you know, maybe six months ago, we w- it would have been out of the question for both of us. So we understand, like, I totally understand where everybody's coming from, where it's like you're tired of dealing with this is- uh, illness, where I'm tired of distancing, I'm tired of wearing masks. And I think those are normal feelings. For sure. How do you guys feel about that, man? Um, I'm getting there. I have reached the point where, I mean, I've, I've just been working four days a week and the rest of the days I've been doing not all that much. Uh, going to the park, I've dined out in outdoor dining a couple of times, um, mm. but I haven't really taken any major risks, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've gotten to the point where I'll wake up in the morning, I'll go to work and then my brain just shuts off for however many hours I'm at work and it's just fatigued from uh, just sit, standing behind plexiglass with a mask on, trying to hear people, but also trying to do as little contact and expose myself as little as I can to people. Um, so, yeah, I'm feeling it, too, for sure. Yeah, man, definitely real stuff. And and I, I think it's really normal at this stage um, to feel. And this is being recognized, you know, at, at the highest levels um, in the world. Um, according to Dr. Hans Kluge, uh, he's the World Health Organization's regional director for Europe. And he actually said, yeah, c- citizens have made huge sacrifices. Right. And it's basically it has come to come at an extraordinary cost, which has exhausted all of us, regardless of where we live or what we do. Right. And so even at, at this level, everybody's pretty much acknowledging, even experts, you know, acknowledging that this is something that we really all probably have to be feeling right now. This is something that is expected. Nonetheless, um, we are, (laughs) I mean, we can argue we're at the height of the pandemic right now. You know, what we've seen leading up to this, I mean, although it was, it was bad and and quite worrisome, you know, we might be heading for worse, ladies and gentlemen, we just got to put it out there. And, um, you know, our last check, we are talking about 8 million cases 8 million known cases as of the end of last week here in the United States, um, 70,000 new infections that were reported on Friday. And so, um, and and if you look just around the country, especially in the Midwest, these numbers are creeping up. Um, I definitely, I was working in the ER last night and had a few suspected cases, um, you know, highly suspicious. And it was just, this this stuff is definitely going to be creeping up on us. And with that said, right, we have um, this holiday that I've been looking forward to, and I, I've actually I've, I've dressed up in recent years, um, past Halloween's. Like I was a uh, this dapper unicorn. Um, <laughs> I was like basically my like my daughter's like date or whatever. So I was, had this huge unicorn. Unicorn. Um, There's actually a dope costume, you know. But anyway, I wanted to outdo myself this year, and what I was going to do, I was gonna buy a Detroit Lions varsity jacket. I want you guys to see if you can guess who I was gonna be. Detroit Lions uh, varsity jacket. Um, I was also going to wear like a low crop sort of fade or low cut haircut, like a wig, right? Because I got locks. Everybody that does not has not seen me uh, before. And then I was going to wear, you know, some like regular blue jeans, some nice uh, uh, running shoes, a little sneakers, and it's going to get like a little toy gun 
um, nine millimeter. And yeah, can you guess who I was going to be? Uh, no. It's from the 80s. Think. I know. I figured you both won't. You guys are <laughs> younger young. than me. <laughs> all right, I'm going to just, all right. Dun, 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 oh, Beverly Hills dun, Cop? Dun, dun. Yeah, man. Heck I was yeah. going to be Axel Foley, man. I was going to be Axel Foley. Um, I think I can still do it, you know? But uh, COVID has definitely put a damper on <laughs> my mood about, you know, the upcoming Halloween uh, holiday. But I know there are plenty of people out there that are anticipating celebrating this. And, you know, before we get into that, just to put another damper on the whole mood regarding Halloween. So the CDC initially came out, Centers for Disease Control initially came out and said, absolutely not. Right. As far as um, risk for spreading covid more than it's been spread before, um, Halloween is is a probable no-no. Like you should not celebrate Halloween in the traditional sense. Um, now, do I agree? Yes, certainly um, with what they're saying. Um, but one thing that I think we've learned up to this point, it looks like the CDC is clued in on this. Um, one thing that we've really learned is that, right, not everybody's going to respond to that. If anything, some people might respond to total opposite. We're controlling people's lives and telling them how to live their lives and they'll just do it anyway. And so they actually set out and fleshed out, you know, really um, ways in which we can enjoy this Halloween um, in a safer way. And actually going back to one of our previous conversations, we had um, the expert, uh, Dr. Syra Madad, who was uh, featured in the documentary pandemic on Netflix. Um, you know, she was on and she actually mentioned and talked about risk indices or risk index. And essentially this is, you know, sort of a way in which we can classify activities and behaviors as being low, moderate or high risk, right? For potentially um, spreading or acquiring a COVID-19 infection. And this is really what that's kind of speaking to in the way that the CDC has laid out ways in, uh, in which we can enjoy this holiday in a, in a safer manner. And really, that's what we're going to talk about, ladies and gentlemen, right? We're not trying to tell you how you live your lives. Um, we understand that this holiday is coming up. And if anything, um, especially for our children, you know, and talking with Imani, uh, my daughter, and just looking at you know, other children um, in our community and stuff, and really even my nieces and nephews, I mean, they've been heavily impacted by this, right? Um, and, and it's definitely changed the way that they've experienced um, life in general. And so maybe this is one time we can really go out of our way and, and figure out ways to uh, get some enjoyment for them as well in a safe way. Um, especially when we talk about this being one of the holidays, especially before it gets really cold, we can really celebrate a lot of it outdoors, you know, even when it comes to things like trick-or-treating. And so, Yeah. That's what we're going to get into. I think Absolutely. it's great um, that we have these risk indices now. I think that having them there and in place and having all this new information that we've discovered and learned about COVID, I think it makes the fatigue a little bit more bearable, in my opinion, because yes. it's like we're not flat out going all or nothing anymore. We're like, okay, this is low risk, so we can probably do it versus this is like a moderate risk. So maybe we shouldn't or maybe we should depending on the situation. So I think that it's great that these uh, risk indices are up and coming because it will make adapt. I mean, we're supposed to have adapted already, but we're getting tired of the way that we have adapted. So adjusting our adaptations to COVID, I think, is uh, the new thing that we're going to do now. 
And the thing is, I, I feel like a lot of this we can probably into it, but I think there are some tips that we can give um, and at least get you thinking about ways in which we can uh, do this in a safer way. By all means, you know, the list that we're going to talk about or the tips we'll get out there is not comprehensive, right? But um, uh, it just gets you thinking about how you can make this as safe as possible. And uh, really, right, when we think about these risk indices or these these uh, risk indexes, a lot of it is based on what we know as far as transmission. And I think anybody that's being pay- paying it, been paying attention um, to this uh, crisis, right, over the last several months um, understands that we're talking about a, a respiratory illness, um, as I said, primarily, and this is still the large consensus is that primarily droplet spread, um, hence the sort of six feet recommendation as far as distancing is concerned, um, and ideally, right, even further distancing as far as um, lowering the risk. But droplet spread, we have these droplets that come from our respiratory tract, Um a lot of times they are forcefully expelled when coughing or sneezing, right? And um, these particles you can't always see, but that little mist, you ever seen somebody sneeze like on the street and like the mist that's, well, yeah, those are the oh, droplets yeah. and they can carry viral particles. And uh, typically these droplets fall, um, you know, a majority of them fall to the ground or, or become lower uh, to the ground after about six feet. Um, if you're, you know, um, and it, If it's a more forceful sneeze or cough, those particles can theoretically travel even farther. Um, And so the more somebody's symptomatic or coughing or sneezing, and especially not covering their openings, let's say, then they're at greater risk of transmitting the disease. Another thing that's really been sort of, uh, for the most part, initially we were concerned about surface transmission or what we call um, fomite transmission, so objects that could harbor the virus and um, infection that could be acquired from coming in contact with that virus on those surfaces. That has been recently downplayed. It's not impossible now, but the risk, right, before we thought it was a higher risk of transmission um, by those means, but it's not as much of a a concern um, now, but it's still possible, right? We still want to wipe down surfaces and things. Um, But then also another thing that's sort of come about is airborne transmission of this virus. A lot of strong data regarding that and um, even the CDC has updated their guidelines to say that this is a consideration, not in the majority of situations, but there are t- times where um, this can be aerosolized, um, meaning those viral particles can, you know, sort of be transmitted through the air. So they can be floating around us and we can inhale them and then acquire the infection. Um, and then gathering from all of that, right, the closer we are with individuals, the more um, physical contact that we have with other people, the more that we are not washing our hands and um, maybe not wearing masks, right? This is one of the ways in which we keep those droplets and thin things to ourselves um, that could increase the risk of transmission. And so when we look at these guidelines, taking into account that understanding about how this, this disease is spread, that's where these guidelines are largely coming from, right? And, um, and as uh, Anastasia said, we're very fortunate to have that as much as we've learned about this disease, now you know this is where these guidelines, right? We, essentially, we need to take advantage, ladies and gentlemen. Before we had no information, right? Um, and, and part of the extreme lockdown, you know, especially what we experienced in New York City, that was part of it. It's like we did not know 100% what we were dealing with, right? And so the lockdown, while we bought time um, to develop treatments, to develop a better understanding of the illness and how it spread. 
um, and, and what the risk factors are and what environments and behaviors lead to increased transmission. That was the whole purpose of that. Now that we have a better understanding, we can do more targeted approaches. We can do things in safer manners, right? Nobody is telling you to stay away from your family forever, um, but there are, are ways in which we can gather gather with family and friends um, in a, a way that's safer, right? We can probably never minimize the risk of transmission 100%, but we can do a lot of things that'll you know, significantly um, lower the risk of acquiring this infection or on the other hand, passing it to other people's if you are um, indeed uh, infected with this virus. And so with that said, let's just get into the the tips, man. And I want to start, we can start from the top uh, and talk about some trick-or-treating. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so trick-or-treating, everyone loves to do it. Everyone's looking forward to it. Um, but unfortunately, that is classified as a high-risk activity in the traditional sense of trick-or-treating, where you're knocking on doors, you're handing candy hand-to-hand or hand-to-bag, that is going to be a high-risk, high-transmission risk. risk. But there are ways that we can modify how we might go about trick-or-treating to lower that risk, maybe from high to moderate. Um, I don't know if it's ever going to go super, super low, but there are a lot of ways in which we can alter our behavior in order to reduce that risk somewhat, but still have an enjoyable time. And that, and that's the thing. I mean, this was heartbreaking to me because I was like, dang, man, like this is something and I'm still a big kid. So trick or treating is dope. And I have a daughter now, so I could do whatever. I can go trick or treating again, like with no problem, no shame. Like I was knocking on your door. That was Maurice Donovan Selby knocking on your door, 36 years of age, asking for candy. <laughs> um, and I'll be like, yeah, it's for my daughter, man. Yeah, it's trick or treat. And I will definitely, you know, that's the uh, perks of parenthood, right? I can get to indul- indulge in that. Um, I share with her. Don't worry. I share. But um. Anyway, yeah, you know, traditional door-to-door trick-or-treating is really probably not the best way to go. And, um, you know, we talk about how this can be done. Some uh, tips that were sort of proposed is really um, being outdoors, right, with this activity. So we're not saying absolutely no trick-or-treating, right? Um, But one thing that you can do is really do this outdoors um, and so maybe going into your driveway, having a table um, set out and uh, having sort of individually bagged or wrapped items that the children can then just take um, the candy uh, from. And whoever obviously is going to put out that arrangement or display or preparation for people to take from, you know, um, obviously washing your hands before doing so. I would even recommend after you wash your hands, using gloves to sort of prepare uh, these items, and of course, wearing a mask while you are doing so, because we know those droplets can come out of your mouth and sort of land on items and stuff. Uh, but then also, um, if you can, and we've seen this done in like stores and stuff, just sort of maybe if you want to, just lay out a couple of strips so that as families or children, people are passing by to collect the candy, that they are staying distance as they're either lining up or passing by. Um, and I think that, you know, under the circumstances, if you're willing to go to that length to do that, I think people will abide by those rules and, uh, you know, do that. If you are going to hand on, this was a suggestion by my neighbor. I was like, yo, that makes sense, actually, um, was, you know, if you are going to distribute the the candy to people passing by, uh, maybe you can obviously wear a mask. And this is the perfect holiday, right, for mask wearing um, at the minimum, a cloth mask. 
um, covering your, you know, nose and mouth. Yes. Just um, like a, a classic Halloween mask is not going to cut it. Just like your, yeah. your Michael Myers mask, plastic yep. mask. Uh, it has to be like an actual cloth mask. Yeah. Even if you're going to wear it under, uh, under the, the mask that you're going to wear over for your costume, do it that way or incorporate the, the mask into your costume in some way, but it should cover your, your oral, you know, oral cavity and your, um, or your mouth and your nose. And with at least you know, the two layers of uh, breathable fabric, I believe. Of be- yep. And the more layers, the better. Uh, excellent. Thank you for that, Reed. The more layers, the better. But yeah, at least two layers is recommended. But I'll just say if whatever you had to, to put across your face and cover your nose and mouth, if you could do that, I think that'll be very, very helpful. And people will appreciate that you go into that length. And then also, um, you know, my neighbor suggested just having like one of those like little claw devices. I don't know if people, I'm trying to think of a name for it offhand. I don't think it never had a name, but you press the little trigger and it has a claw at the end or a grabbing function and it just grabs the, whatever you're That's smart. trying to pick up. That's really smart. Yeah. And then, and then hand it in. Yeah. So this way, right. You wash your hands, you got your gloves on and then you're passing out the stuff, um, you know, with the, uh, with, with the, the claw. little claws. That's the way to do it. Um, and this way, you know, you're out in the open and so that we have less concerns about, you know, either people bringing COVID to your door or you giving it to them, airing it out of your house, <laughs> like, um, which is quite possible, right? It's a, a two-way thing. And really, it's just about everybody protecting each other and enjoying this holiday in a safe way. Because I've done it before, man. Giving out candy is fun. Like seeing the looks on the kids' faces, seeing the costumes and joking with them, you know, uh, counting the number of supermen and bat women and bat girls that come by, like it's, it's dope. Um, and so we want everybody to really enjoy it, but in the safest way possible. And obviously, the more closer you get to being in your home and obviously being inside the house, um, we just have a higher risk. And so, um, yeah, so let's get into oh, one more thing, too, regarding trick or treating. And so this is for the parents, right? Had a blast. You went out there. You got all this candy. The kids are excited and everybody's going to go home. And I remember going home, sorting this stuff out when I was a kid. Right. And had my Jolly Ranchers to the side because that's like one of my favorite candies, Jolly Ranchers and like Starburst and stuff. And, uh, you know, the chocolates and stuff was my thing. Sometimes I'll do those out to my brothers. But, you know, we sort the candy and start eating and stuff. And especially if it was on like a weekend or something, a weekend Halloween, which is always the best, man. You don't got to go to school the next day. I'd be up and eating candy. You always sneak a few so that my mom wouldn't know because she would I love how this, a lot of it. I love how this went through like all generations because I've done the same exact thing. Yeah, Start exactly. out the candies it's from tradition. the ones you want the most to the ones you want the least. Yes, it's tradition. But um, what I would recommend is now one thing my wife was crazy with this, like spraying down groceries and stuff like bags with bleed or wiping them down and stuff. And we would come from it. You don't have to do that. Right. That, it's been shown that that's not helpful, potentially harmful, if anything, by putting chemicals on these things that you might be eating. But what is recommended, or at least what I would recommend, I did not see this in the CDC's guidelines or anywhere else, but um, letting the candy sit for a couple of days. Um, uh, probably, you know, two to three days, let it sit. And what I would recommend to the parents, because I know this is going to be an issue. They're going to be like, yo, the kids are going to want to eat this stuff. It's just buy a, a few bags of candy or something to hold the kids over. So when they come in, you have your own little Halloween thing where they can grab some stuff that they can enjoy and eat it, you know, then and there while their candy and collected items sit and, you know, sort of let any potential viral particles and other things out there too, right? It's flu season. So you want to let all of that stuff die off and minimize the chances of acquiring an infection through 
um, the collected candy and items. And so that's that's what we're recommending. So trick or treaters, you can do it. Right. But safer. Right. We're not at the door. Not the traditional sense. Um, we want to be out in the open and, and sort of doing those things that we just talked about. I also want to mention um, if you're out trick or treating and you come upon a house that's handing out candy in a manner that you don't think is particularly safe. It might be hard to do it, but you might have to pass up that house and pass up that candy in favor of a house that is respecting a lot more safety measures. Yes. Um, and that, 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 and you know, wave at the neighbors and stuff, but yeah, but I would, I would bypass that place. Um, and, and yeah, that's it. So as far as, um, parties, right? Because that's the next thing, man. Like that's our generation now. Yeah. Like good times, like great Halloween parties and stuff. And, um, this is something that is probably going to be a little bit more difficult. I feel like, uh, because right. The, you know, we're in the fall season, it's cooler out now. And so having like a nice bash outdoors and especially a bash in the sense, like what, you know, what we might be accustomed to a lot of people around everybody, you know, carrying on laughing, joking, and really enjoying themselves. Not that you can enjoy yourselves under these circumstances, but um, the sort of yelling, screaming, karaoke, singing, um, that is that has to be out, especially if we're talking about participating in crowded indoor gatherings or events. Um, so the haunted houses, Halloween parties, anything that has you indoors with, you know, um, multiple people, especially if these are people that are outside of your household um, or people that you do not live with, you know, on a regular basis, you just increase the risk of uh, being exposed to or transmitting um, the SARS-CoV-2 virus. And so, um, you know, basically we want to stay away from indoor gatherings. If you are going to do so, doing activities with people that live with you, um, very close friends and relatives, and we're talking small gatherings, right? Um, ideally, no more than uh, six to ten people. The less, the better. Um, you know, that's that's something that we really need to try to avoid. The larger the gathering, the more loud laughing and singing and yelling, the higher the risk. The same thing goes for the outdoors, actually, too. Um, and that if you got a lot of people carrying, you know, carrying on yelling and screaming and stuff, and you want to be more distanced from those individuals because the louder somebody is and the more essentially they're forcefully expelling viral particles, right? So you want to be distanced um, as much as possible uh, if you're engaging in those activities. Um, having a large dinner party with people from different households coming from, especially if they're coming from different um, ge geographic locations, that too um, just increases the risk. And another thing that was mentioned, which uh, Man, we just got to take into account uh, increased. Uh, so using alcohol or drugs, I mean, we all know this. I think that it can impair your judgment and therefore set you up for riskier situations. So if you were planning to avoid that large gathering indoors, singing karaoke and like apple bobbing, then uh, you might end up at that <laughs> karaoke event, apple bobbing. Um, you guys know what apple bobbing is? Yes. Okay, good. All right. I was about to say, I was like, dang, is this something that's like outdated reference? Because I think it was still kind of around. I haven't seen anybody apple bobbing in probably I've never done it, years. but I know what it is. I've never done it. I've done it, but we did it. One of my teachers in like third grade did it in a cool way. She actually had the apples hanging from like a string, like a um, 
a bar overhead. She had like a, I don't know how to describe it, but it was a bar that she wheeled in, had the bars hanging overhead and hung the apples down on strings. And that was like a way that we did apple bobbing during a Halloween party in school, as opposed to the classic way, right? Um, you know, having the apples sitting in water and you're trying to like bite the apples out of it. It sounds so gross now. So, yeah, I've, I've never done it. I mean, and especially now, I mean, even before COVID, I'm saying you know, it's <laughs> gross. And I remember in third grade, my teacher was like, we will not be doing it that way. So she was ahead of the game because we did it with the strings. Um, but yeah, man, as far as um, spreading COVID and a bunch of other nasty stuff, including things like, you know, nice diarrheal illnesses, norovirus, rotavirus, that stuff is still out there too. So you can go apple bobbing if you want, but uh, just be prepared for, you know, some extreme diarrhea or in the worst case, COVID or both actually, because COVID can definitely give you some bad diarrhea too. Um, so yeah, don't do those things. Let's try to avoid that. And if you are going to gather, as we said, outdoors, try to minimize the crowd, maintain that distance, minimum six feet. Obviously, the more, the better. And I think we could really still enjoy ourselves if people are wearing their masks appropriately, washing their hands, um, you know, keeping their hands away from their face as much as possible. Obviously, if you got to eat or drink, you know, you want you to do that um, uh, and enjoy yourself. But keeping your distance and any time you do put your hands near your face um, or your nose, going to wash your hands before you touch any surfaces or go and uh, shake somebody's hand, which we should know by now is not the way to go. Elbow bumps. You know, that's what I do now. Uh, when I greet people, wave high. <laughs> I just wave or wave high. high or do the nod, man. Give them a yeah, wave high. Give them a nod. That's it. Not What's just up? that, but uh, I would even recommend if you're not. I know you want to participate in the festivities for all of you out there, but if you're not feeling well that day, maybe stay inside. Um, if you're concerned about transmitting it to other people, go ahead and get a COVID test a few days before Halloween. You know, it's not a hundred percent guarantee even if your test come back comes back negative that you you won't have it during Halloween. But still, like that's a it's another way to keep those safe around you, in addition to wearing masks, practicing social distancing, washing your hands, etc. Uh, just be aware of your status. Yes. And especially if you are having symptoms in any way, even with a negative COVID test, I would say your best bet is probably not to participate. And that's a recommendation I would have made pre-COVID. Yes. You know, especially during flu season, I would say, hey, you probably want to just take it easy. Send your minions out to do your trick-or-treating and stuff and bring you some treats. You can always have a friend pick up <laughs> or, uh, that discount Halloween candy the next day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love that. Um, and just, you know, candy. sit back and watch <laughs> like watch some horror movies on Netflix. I mean, this is the age, right? We have on demand like everything. And so that's what I would do is watch some Freddy Krueger movies or something and just chill out and have my my wife and um, my daughter do my dirty work and bring me candy. Like, that's, <laughs> that's dope. You're being treated like royalty. We get to sit back and chill. But that's that's what we would recommend. Um, one, so that you get better by resting and letting your body fight whatever illness you're dealing with. Um, but two, and so that you don't get others sick, especially those that are close to you, you know, that you love and um, value in your life. Uh, other things, Large gatherings, as we said, um, not just parties, but we're talking about going to events. So haunted houses, indoors, probably definitely should not. I mean, I, I've yet to meet a person, right, where you you want to scream when you're in a haunted house, right? So, uh, yeah, you're going to be indoors screaming, bumping into people. Like, that is just like COVID heaven. Like, it's a COVID haunted house, essentially. Um, and so that is something that we would 
highly discourage. The CDC does as well. That is in their high risk category. Now, what they did propose is say, hey, maybe we can take this stuff outdoors. So rather than haunted houses, a haunted forest. Um, and obviously, if we're outdoors doing this, which um, we got like a nice little woodsy area, so it, it can actually be pretty dope over here. You know, maybe doing this in your yard or something and obviously observing um, social social distance or practicing uh, social distancing while doing this, that'll decrease the risk of um, spreading COVID-19. And so, you know, you could do sort of like, uh, I guess, like candy hunts and stuff in the yard, maybe setting up decorations and just having some music out there really as best you can. I mean, you might have a few screams, but if people are, you know, really frightened by what they see, they're screaming, having a good time, you want to increase that distance between individuals. And so maybe it might be recommended, I would say, the safer distance will probably be 12 feet from each person um, if you're doing something like that. Because people are going to be talking. They're going to be enjoying themselves, laughing, screaming potentially. And so increase that distance. Um, Which might be something difficult it. to do in New York City. I mean, we're all kind of cramped here. I but, know. I know. But maybe like parks or something, that would be something feasible. Yes. Assuming that, you know, like collectively coming together, like all the parents come together and they start planning this and stuff like that. Because... I mean, mm-hmm. maybe where you are, like everybody got a huge yard. Here's different. Like. Yeah. But here, uh, <laughs> I don't have that much space to even do it for myself. <laughs> it's, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. So a little foresight and planning. I'm with you on that, Anastasia. It's definitely, you know, going to be required. Um, but there's there's definitely ways to make it happen. And like New York City is fortunate to be in comparison to other cities, I would even say here, like you got, there's a lot of parks and air, outdoor areas where people can congregate safely. And fortunately, you know, it seems it hasn't gotten like bone chilling yet. How is it up there right now? It's pretty good. I would say it's hanging around the uh, mid fifties, nice yeah. flannel weather. So I think we can, you know, it's for not the most bad. part, find ways to do this. Yeah. And also just going back to trick-or-treating, because I meant to say this before, New York city is such a special case, man. Cause I remember, trick-or-treating in my building, uh, living in apartment buildings and like the Bronx and stuff and um, trick-or-treating at grocery stores or little bodegas and stuff. And so that poses a different challenge. I would say outside the bodegas, you know, lining up, if you're going to line up outside the store, maintaining that six feet distance. Um, If anything, I would say to the bodega owners, if you are going to distribute candy, you want to bring your your distribution outside, Uh, maybe set up a table where people can, as we said, collect their items um, the candy and stuff from that table. You have it individual, individually packaged and wrapped. Whoever prepared that, having gloves, wearing a mask, and um, using hand sanitizer. And if you are doing this in a building, now this is where a particular challenge. If there's a courtyard, I would recommend you know whoever wants to distribute candy, especially if you have something like a um, a board, you know, owners board or co-op board that can quickly organize something like this where they have tables set out so people can distribute the candy. Um, that might be the best way to go. I mean, other than that, the really, I would just say looking at these guidelines, really just understanding this illness and how it's transmitted, I would highly discourage door-to-door trick-or-treating um, <clears throat> in apartment buildings, like just not not safe. And so you might want to find um, other local events that have been organized that are outdoor where you might want to take your children to to do this or to another uh, community, a local community, you know, maybe more outdoor houses where people are distributing candy outside. That might be the best way to go. 
Yeah, I think my personal plan for Halloween in the city, while I do not have a kid, so I don't really plan on trick-or-treating, um, I'm going to head over to a friend's apartment. It's just going to be the two of us, I think, maybe her roommate as well. Uh, we're just going to mm-hmm. carve some pumpkins, have some candy, maybe a couple cold beverages, uh, maybe watch a movie. It's going to be a nice time. Uh, should be minimal risk. Um, and I think it's going to be a nice celebration. Yeah. So keeping it small and, 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 and indoors and with people that you trust, right, especially if you know that the, the individuals you're hanging out with have been careful themselves. Um, I mean, there's no guarantee, but you definitely lower the risk than if you went to a rave, right? <laughs> um, I mean, uh, where everybody's intoxicated, not wearing masks and like singing karaoke. Right. There, that used to be our, that might have been some people's go-to. Oh, that was the way to go before. <laughs> For that was Halloween the way to go before, in the past. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not. There's always so. also the beauty of like, in New York City, if you have the means, you can go to um, Long Island or like a little bit upstate and go to like orchard picking, like apple picking and stuff to or- at orchard. Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's also that. Um, I know a lot of people have been doing that. I know that people have gone on hikes a lot too. Like they just go and um, take these like nice little photo shoots in the fall, like with the, all the leaves and everything. So there's a lot of things that can be done outside. I mean, for people that are without kids and aren't that, because uh, I don't dress up for Halloween, to be honest with you. Um, so uh, I just, just do activities with my friends that involve candies and other stuff. So just finding ways to go around that. Um and also maintaining as much of a social bubble as you can because yeah, I'm pretty sure like people have already um, figured out who they're going to spend most of their time with. Spending Halloween with those people might be a little bit less risky than going out with like new friends you haven't seen in a while and not knowing who yeah. they've hung out with or what they've been doing. So there's also that to keep in mind. Definitely. And if you want to see some old friends, a virtual gathering isn't a bad idea either. Okay, that was, uh, okay, I'll go back and backtrack because, right, as far as I said at the beginning, there's no way to de- decrease 100%, right, risk of transmit. Well, the only way this is, you know, is perfect read. Um, yeah, virtual gatherings, right? If you want to 100% minimize your risk of acquiring this infection this Halloween, um, that's the way to go. Virtual gathering, um, maybe having some candy and stuff there and enjoying each other's costumes, you know, through, um, you know, one of the various mediums that we have um, to do that, uh, whether it's Zoom or Skype, whatever, whatever you're going to use, that's the way to go as far as decreasing your risk 100%, um, really protecting yourself and, and possibly protecting others. And watching um, all so those that's Halloween the only movies. way. <laughs> you can watch the all those Halloween movies, yeah. yeah. Was it Netflix? Um, I still have Netflix haven't done party. That. Netflix party. party. Yeah, I've never done that, but maybe that's the time, man. Go back to, uh, yeah, as I said, Freddy Krueger movies or Jason, Halloween, all of these good things. Uh, I want to watch some Hellraiser, man. I never I feel like watching that again. I'll have a new understanding of it. Yeah, scary as hell. Man. That scared <laughs> me when I was a kid. Um, so, yeah, that's that's 100%. You can definitely decrease your risk 100% that way. Other things, um, maybe doing a scavenger hunt of sorts in the house with your children Another way to, you know, significantly, I mean, you guarantee not risking anything by just doing this completely um, within your family. And so hiding some candies throughout the house, decorating with the children, carving, um, you know, pumpkins and creating jack-o'-lanterns and stuff. Much lower risk activities because it's just you, your loved ones, and you're in your sanctuary, you know, doing this stuff. 
Um, so that's what I would recommend, especially going back to apartment living in New York City. That might be the way to go. Um, just doing these things around the house and so that your children can enjoy, you know, somewhat of an experience. They're kind of doing like a yeah, scavenger hunt slash trick or treat type thing indoors with themselves um, just to enjoy, you know, some way enjoy this this holiday. So, I mean, that's that's really it, ladies and gentlemen. Another thing, lastly, that I really would recommend is probably not going as a um, SARS-CoV-2 viral particle. Um, I was thinking about, I was like, huh, I wonder if I dressed up. And I was like, nah, that's like instant. It took me 10 seconds to realize. I was like, I would be like despised by people. <laughs> like, I would despise myself. I mean, like, that's probably not what people want to see. That would be a reminder of everything that's going down right now. If there aren't, you know, a million other reminders um, already. I think that uh, so it's, might go as plague doctors do or like the plague. I could see people doing that. Yeah, just stay away from. I feel like that's just <laughs> I was there. Me personally, maybe I'm like, yeah. I think we're all, as you said, man, we're COVIDed out, right? We just had enough, and so anything that brings to mind what's going on, I think that might be that. I'm kind of I'm gonna be and say I'm joking, but at the same time, being serious, like, man, let's just leave that stuff alone. Um. And just really focus on enjoying the time in a safe way with family and friends. I think it's possible. And I think we've come a long way from the outset of this where we were like hunkered down, right? Don't do anything to now we say, hey, we have a lot of data in which we can that we can use to our advantage to still live our lives, but in a safe way, like as safe as possible um, and minimizing the risk of, of getting sick. Like that's the that's the point where we are today. And I'm really glad that our public health agencies, you know, our leadership um, in that regards, I feel like they've definitely gotten that message. Right. Telling people how to live their lives and like <laughs> just shutting down, at you know, with these absolutes. Uh, I think they've really went. They took a lot of time. If you look at the CDC site, actually, um, and just type in COVID-19 Halloween, their stuff will pop right up. And they have a lot of good tips. They really flesh this out, trying to really get good information out there so that people can enjoy themselves, but stay safe at the same time, rather than just saying no Halloween, right? It's easy to just say, don't do this. But they went out of their way to really try to, to help people. And so with that said, ladies and gentlemen, we want you to have a great time um, and continue to enjoy this. It is a beautiful fall season. Um, and so we can still be outdoors and really enjoy um, just being out there, getting fresh air, being active. Um, but at the same time, too, we want everybody to be safe. So thank uh, you out there in the listening audience for tuning in. We also thank you in advance for just spreading the word about what we talked about on this program. Um, and really just trying to, you know, abide by these uh, recommendations as it, we really will all benefit um, in the end. And also, ladies and gentlemen, we thank you in advance for just telling people about Health in Harlem as well. Um, the show will air on WHCR 90.3 FM. Um, that'll be, uh, we air every Thursday from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Um, on FM frequency 90.3 WHCR. And also, we have the Health in Harlem podcast, which is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean. Amazon Music. We are we're, we're we're reaching out many different places all over, so you can definitely check us out on those mediums. And uh, I want to thank you guys as well, man. This was <laughs> fun. It was really fun. 
looking forward to seeing uh, the Halloween stories, I guess, or the things that we did and, and how it was. And ladies and gentlemen, we also want to shout out our the rest of our team, uh, Giorgio, Ben Suferi, and, um, Ashley Francis, Michael Holmes. Um, we love you all out there, and we just hope you guys are out there being safe. And ladies and gentlemen, this show is dedicated to the memory of Miss Gloria Thomas. Harlem, take care of yourself. <laughs>